Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. I'm excited about this series. We are going to be talking about probably two of the most important unseen realms and yet they are the focal point of our being and existence. And we are going to explore how these two unseen realms affect each other to move the things that we see with our natural eyes. I think this is gonna be epic. The first one is the quantum faith realm, a conduit for the spirit realm. The second is the quantum physics realm. Now, 
We're all familiar with the word physics. And I'm going to assume that at some point during your school life, you studied about physics. Now, lucky for you, there won't be any take home assignments after listening to this podcast. Anyways, we all know that our natural world or this physical world that we live in is governed by natural law. That is laws of physics, like the law of gravity or the law of lift that enables you to fly across the world and so forth. Now, there is an interesting subject within physics that has emerged. It's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And it has turned the whole physics world on its head. It has turned the whole physics world upside down. Why is that so? Because it operates contrary to the laws of classical physics that we have grown accustomed to. What makes quantum physics really interesting is that it operates very similar to how things operate in the spirit realm, that is, in the kingdom of God. What do we know? Turns out Jesus' miracles, such as walking on water, weren't just myths and fables. So we are going to explore these two realms and see how they feed off of each other because our lives are directly affected by each one of them. Now, if you've listened to one of our series called Science is God's Playground, you've probably heard me make this statement. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. The spirit realm is cause and the natural realm is effects, hence cause and effects. So in this series, we are going to connect the main force in the spirit realm called faith or quantum faith and its cousin from the unseen physics world called quantum or quantum physics. This will show us how this notion of cause and effects comes into play, how the physical world runs on top of the spirit realm and how they are always constantly interacting with each other. We're talking about something you can't possibly see, but it is what makes up everything in the universe. I mean, can you explain photons to me? Do you see photons in the room? Do you see photons when you go outside? Those are subatomic particles of light. And yet these things are everyday life in sunlight. Everything we see that's light is made up of the quantum realm. And when you look at a table and it looks solid, you're going to put a book on it or your cup of coffee on it, it looks solid. But it's really not solid. There's space between the atoms. There's space between the, the nucleus of the atom and the electron. So if you could really see on the quantum level, you would see that that table is not at all solid. And secondly, and most exciting, is you would see that it's moving. That table is not sitting still. It's moving. There's a vibration of particles. And that is the quantum world. And we interact with it every day. Well, everything God created is full of life. Everything God created is full of life. How could he create anything that is not full of life? So just as I talked about the tabletop, if you could see on the quantum level, it's not dead, it's not static. There's a vibrating frequency there. There's movement, there's life there. And so here we are, we're alive. I think you'd acknowledge that. And we are interacting with everything in this world that is also alive. It is full of life. And so our relationship with all the things in the world that are alive are determined by what we say about it, what we think about it, our perception of it. And so we are life interacting with all of God's creation that's full of life. There's a parallel plane in the realm of the spirit. The spirit world is the unseen world, what we can't see. And yet everything we do see was created from the unseen realm. There was nothing seen when God said, let there be light. There was nothing, there was not light. God is a spirit. So he spoke spirit words and spirit words created matter. 
It formed the world. It formed the hills, the mountains. It formed everything we see here in life. All matter is created by the spirit realm. And in the realm of the spirit, you know, we, we talk about angels. We can't see them. And yet in a parallel plane, they are there. They are operating. In one famous incident in the Old Testament, the prophet asked that the eyes of his servant be opened. And he saw that there were horses and chariots and angels everywhere. So if our eyes were open right now, we could see in the realm of the spirit and see angels and spirit beings, horses, whatever that God has created there. And yet we can't see it with our physical eye. The spirit realm operates on a different frequency. And we have no instrument in our physical body to see into that realm unless God opens our eyes through a gift of the Spirit. And then we're enabled to see into that invisible realm that is real, exists, and guess what? The Spirit realm will never perish, it will never die. God created man and woman, and what? In His image and in His likeness to do what? to have authority over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, to rule and reign, how? In the same way God created it, through their words. Tuning in to the pre-show. Welcome back to episode five of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. We are on a roll. So we're just gonna jump right back in. We were talking about that the gospel, we're talking about that God is in the business of saving souls, as well as being in the business of healing people. But we're talking about this connection between the realm of endless possibilities in quantum physics I'm trying to say, why does that make sense? Because there's also a realm of endless possibilities on the spirit, on the spiritual side of things, which we're calling for the purposes of this discussion, quantum faith. So when, when, when Jesus walked the planet, we've already established that it was, it was not because he had no knowledge of physics, science, medicine, it's not that the biblical principles that we hear or read from the Bible are baseless, that it's just spiritual mythology. No, there is a background that we received a background and insight from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 to 31, that peeled back the curtain of what really was happening before we arrived on the scene. You know, it says that I, wisdom, was beside him as a master and director of the work. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. And then also we established that physics and science are part of the mind of God. So is medicine, uh, natural medicine. Everything that doctors do, all the medication that, that, that companies come up with, it's all part of the mind of God. Now, it's not the sum total, but it's part of the mind of God. Proverbs chapter 3 also beautifully expressed this, that the three pillars 
of how things work. You know, it talked about Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 said, The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. So we see these three pillars of how everything came to be. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Wisdom is application. Understanding is comprehension. Knowledge is information. So again, it's not because Jesus didn't know how things worked or like he didn't have any knowledge on these things because Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 to 17 tells us different. It says, For it was him, it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created and exist through him. By his service, intervention, and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things. And in him, all things consist, cohere, and are held together. Basically, it says everything was created by God's Son, Jesus Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth, everything seen and unseen, including all forces. Yet, spiritual forces, natural forces, classical physics, or everything, and powers, and all rulers and authorities. All things were created by Jesus, and everything was made for him, and Jesus was before all else. God's Son was before all else, and by him everything is held together. So, we, I was just using this to nullify the misconception that things spoken of in the Bible are just rara that they aren't thought through and that they're just spiritual principles or spiritual mythology without without impact on our world today but i also say that um the bible the principles the the the, the way the bible is written is in a way to get you to reposture your mind and mental foundation on how you approach life to understand that we live in a cause and effects world the cause is the spirit realm and the effects is the physical world. And that the things you see with your physical eyes are governed and controlled by a higher realm, the spirit realm. The spirit realm is a parental force. We also say every physical thing that you see with our natural eyes is either hell needs a spirit to exist. Every living thing. That means every physical thing that doesn't have a spirit in it, like a metal pole or a traffic light, Think along those lines. In order for it to stay vertical, it has to be held together by bolts and nuts. What's to say Jesus taught healing from the foundational principles behind how the human body was created. And we've come to term Jesus' way of healing or medicine, his way of doing it, as miracles or divine healing. Now, someone might not still believe in miracles or divine healing, but... I'll ask them, how does the placebo effect work in new medicines being tested out? There's just no, it, it works by faith. It works by belief. And this is a realm of endless, a realm of, this is an instance, one of like a scenario in this realm of endless possibilities that Jesus was trying to give us access to. He's saying, believe and you shall receive. Believe that you can be healed and you will be healed. But that doesn't make sense to the logical mind. Well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't receive it. A lot of us use cell phones. We don't understand how they work, but they work. And we use them. Like before, before you use a cell phone, you don't go, let me first put this thing, let me first put this thing apart. Let me first see where the signals are being sent. Let me see how many cables, let me see how many words are in there. Let me see how many um let me see how the, the, the circuit board is built up. How does it work? How does this get from here to here? No. It works. And you use it. And you benefit off of it. But just to saying these things work by faith. The, the way you get access into the realm of endless possibilities is by faith. It's by belief. And quantum physics is finding that out. They call it the observer effect. 
the things don't even come into the forefront unless you your intent it's your intent your positive intent that brings them to the surface if you're looking for particle it might not be there you do, it's not there until you are there to look for it how do you explain that it's belief and intent it's faith it's a force so i said we shouldn't have medical science batting heads with divine healing and i said a lot of people have been denied this beautiful thing of partaking in divine healing by having their minds so logical and reason fixated that God and science don't mix. No, science is, the, is, is part of the mind of God. Doctors, healing, natural medicine is part of the mind of God. It's, it's not the most elevated form, but still, God is in the healing business. So if he can get you healed through a doctor, he'll do it because it's still part of his mind. But I said, if you, if you don't believe in that, then by all means, you can take Tylenol. And again, if you really understand how painkillers work, you'll understand that painkillers work by getting in between the nerve cells so that they can't transmit the pain messages to one another. The message isn't able to make it to the brain, so this keeps you from feeling pain. So when you take a painkiller for your, for your headache, it doesn't go directly. Now that my... my, my kind of cloud the, the the picture I'm trying to say. Let's say if you have an, in, an injury, you know, you just stepped on something at the bottom of your foot and it's hurting, you're in pain. When you take a painkiller, it doesn't, that's not where it goes. Even though that's the, that's the spot that hurts. It relieves work within your cells, your body's nerve endings, your nervous system, your brain to keep you from feeling the, the, the pain. The, the, the special nerve endings that sense pain are very sensitive. So when, when prostaglandis is released, the nerve endings respond to it by picking it up and transmitting the pain and injury messages through the nervous system to the brain. They tell the brain everything about the pain, where the pain is and how much it hurts. Then your brain responds and then you go to action like, ouch, that hurts. Oh my God, that's painful. So, but all this to say is that Jesus came to save souls. Again, God was in the business, is in the business of saving souls. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send Jesus to, to teach us physics, science and math and, and medicine. The gospel means good news. It has been misinterpreted today. The gospel means good news. The, the original Greek of the word gospel in which the New Testament was written, it means the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. That's what the gospel means. So the Sermon on the Mount for me open the curtain of when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he was basically introducing the realm of endless possibilities, which some of you might, which we might call quantum physics or quantum faith. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. This, when you take a step back, this was opening up humanity into the realm of all possibilities. It was. Again, wait for it. The Beatitudes have so many applications, but for the purpose of this discussion and context, of quantum faith meets quantum physics, 
Jesus was teaching us. He was telling us that, hey, I've come to show you an easy way out. I've come to make you aware of quantum physics, of quantum faith, because classical physics is limited. Classical faith is limited. There is a realm of all possibilities, and here is how you can get access to it. He was saying, that's the gospel, he was saying, God, has, God the Father has given humanity access. He's given mankind access to it. Anyone can access it. But of course, you need a passcode. You need a password to access this realm of endless possibilities within God's endless realm of possibilities. And the passcode is Jesus. Now, it might not make sense. It's like, why do I need to believe in a man to access the thing? Like, it, it gets convoluted, but just, just stick with me. I say that the reason why you can only... First of all, I say the physical realm, the realm of all possibilities is not the physical realm. It's not. It's the spirit realm. It's the parental force. It's the parent world, is the spirit world. So it was inevitable that for us as human beings, in our human flesh, to access the realm, that we needed a new incorruptible spirit. That's what the Bible calls a born-again spirit. You needed a born-again spirit. You needed a spirit, a new spirit, an incorruptible spirit, to access the spirit realm. In fact, the scripture says that, but ye are born not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed by the word of God. It's saying you are born again. When you, when you accept your passcode as Jesus, basically when you say, okay, this thing's so easy. I act, I, you know, Lord, I repent, you know, for my sins. I know that I need salvation. I know that I, I am not accessing this realm of endless possibilities of everlasting life of divine healing of 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 creative innovations of all these beautiful things from the mind of god that i need a way in here first of all you first cleanse you first cleanse off yourself you acknowledge it's what repentance is repentance is change of mind that's what that's all repentance means is it okay my mind was that i need to do this, but no, you're telling me there's an easy way out. So Lord, I change my mind. I accept the passcode. Okay, what's your key? The, the key that you tap at the door of endless possibilities in the spirit realm is this. What's your key? You come in, I'm with Jesus. That's So this is the misconception again. When you start to look at the Bible, it's more than just a spiritual book. It's science. These methodologies, these, these, these things are laid on top of each other. It's not just rara. Things are not just thrown around. We Right now, we misuse the word Christianity, Christ. Think of it. If you are Canadian, you use Canadian to mean that you are from Canada. You use um, American to say, I am from America. You are, I am Ugandan to mean I am from Uganda. I am, I am, uh, European, or I am Mexican, or I am Brazilian. The first time the word Chris, Christian was used in the Bible, it was used to express a group of radical people that had started to believe they were walking around like baby Christs. So the, 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 the people who would see these peculiar people, like, man, these people who... They keep talking about this gospel of Jesus, this gospel of Jesus. So they were calling them Christians. That's where this comes from. It's 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 these these things are not just you know. So I know right now people term Christianity as one of the other religions, and you can, but it's not a religion. A, a Christian is someone who's saying, "I believe I'm with Christ. I am." Calvin Christ Kabanda. That's basically, basically, it's you adopting uh, that new nature. Basically, remember again, we've been talking about the power of words, the parental, the, the how words are powerful 
So your access to the spirit realm, for me, it just makes sense that it was inevitable that God had to give us a new rebirth of our spirits to access the spirit realm where the endless possibilities are. It was impossible. He would have had to, again, the first time that this happened is we see this before the, the floods of Noah. The whole earth was corrupted. Remember, I said God's original plan, why is God in the business of souls, of saving souls and not teaching physics, science and math and medicine is because his original plan for humanity was corrupted by Satan, who was Lucifer, originally created by God, and he was one of the archangels ordained for worship. So when man was corrupted and those spirits came out of heaven, they started to have some of them sexual relations with women and gave birth to uh, what people would call as giants. So when you read through old old history and going back in time and you see yes giants did walk the surface of this earth it's, it's because the spirits that came out of heaven the rebellious spirits had sexual relations with women and those women gave birth to these human beings that were almost half human half angelic i know i'm getting to some stuff here but i'm showing you that spirits can influence physical matter so the scripture, in fact, talks about that these spirits were then captured and locked away in hell. They're also waiting for their own day of judgment. These rebellious spirits. So you can see that the physical realm can always be corrupted. It was corrupted before. God is smart. So God goes, okay, in the beginning, I've created these beautiful creatures. Satan comes and corrupts them. He, 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 he lies to a group of other angelic beings, spiritual beings in heaven, and they come down here on this planet and they corrupt people. And sin is going off like crazy. I mean, the world is being turned upside down. People are having sex with animals. Bestiality is the norm of the day. Weird things are happening. People are just worshiping everything that they can. So God is like the physical flesh has been corrupted. He uses a flood, boom, to wipe out that whole generation. So when people see, um, <laughs> when people think that human beings came from chimpanzees and monkeys and, and weird creatures and whatever, the 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 record, the fossil record doesn't lie. Because human beings that existed before the creation of us, in fact, there's a, it's called the, the gap theory. There's, there's eons and eons of time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-1-2. Genesis 1-1 will say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then Genesis 1-2 will say, and the earth was without form and void. And there was water upon the face of the deep. There was an initial flood that wiped away that whole race of people. And those things, it was, it was, it was insane because some of those, some of those creatures were not full human beings. They were not. Some of them had been corrupted. So then, so that shows you the physical, our physical bodies can be corrupted by spirits. And that's what the fall of man happened. So, but then God is really sorry about what he did. So he said, okay, um, this really hurt me. I cannot do the flood again. So then we had, we had a, a, the flood of Noah. We almost had a, a repeat. And in fact, the scripture says, I will never use the flood again. So God was saying, this is not sustainable. I cannot use a flood. But the thing is that before the Noah's flood is God had created man in his own image and then Satan corrupts man again. So for me, it's inevitable that fast forward so many years down the line when God sends his son Jesus, 
He said, we're not going to do this again. We're not going to go through the physical rebirth again. It doesn't work. It can easily be corrupted either because all humanity has to be wiped away. God wouldn't do it right now. So he says, we are going to bypass the, the, the errors, the, 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 the error setting, the, the inefficiency of, a, of, of the physical flesh. Let's just give them a born again spirit. That's what it means to be born again. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are just getting a passcode for your spirit to access the realm of endless possibilities. And scientists are discovering that the realm of endless possibilities exists in physics, which they're calling quantum physics. So it does exist in the spirit realm. It's just inevitable that this was the only way God had to give us access with a born-again spirit. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, How can, uh, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, no man can enter the kingdom of God except he be born again. Not a, and Nicodemus says, do I have to go back into my mom's womb, my mother's womb, and then be born again? And Jesus laughs. I say, no. How can you not understand this? He says, it's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual rebirth. But for the purposes of context, I'm trying to explain to you why someone might be like, yeah, but why do I need to access this with a spirit? Why, 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 what is all this spiritual? It's because the physical is not the realm of all possibilities. It is corruptible. The only way to bypass this inefficiency is through the spirit. So when you read Beatitudes that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, Jesus was giving us a way out of the classical realm. When he said blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He was saying or meaning that the kingdom of heaven has open access to everyone, even those who have a poor spirit, because through me, by faith, by belief, you will get a reborn spirit, you will become rich in spirit, and once your spirit has been updated, think like a software program, Think in terms of software program when you update your phone, update your laptop. Once you get the latest Jesus, once you get the latest Jesus upgrade, the incorruptible born again spirit, you can now freely access the kingdom of heaven, which is the realm of all possibilities. Hold the thought. Seller for a minute there. The Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus first introduced the Beatitudes. This is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 11. In verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what I'm saying is that Jesus was saying, Hey, I've come to show you an easy way out. I've come to make you aware of quantum physics, of quantum faith, because classical physics is limited. There is a realm of all possibilities, and here is how you can access it. God the Father has given humanity. He has given mankind access to it. Anyone can access it. You need a passcode, and the passcode is Jesus. And I say you can only access the realm of all possibilities, which is the spirit realm, by having a born-again spirit. Because the physical body can be corrupted. I've gone into history how it has been corrupted before. Satan has always corrupted it. So Jesus needed to get to go around that, to bypass that. So the realm of possibilities is in the physical world. No, it's the spiritual world. So it makes sense and it's inevitable that for us human beings in our flesh to access the realm that we needed, that we need to access this realm, the spirit realm, the realm of all possibilities, is that we needed a new incorruptible spirit. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, no, you don't have to enter into your mother's womb again and be born again. No, it's a spiritual rebirth. So Jesus was basically saying, I am giving you guys a way out of classical, of the classical realm. 
He was saying and meaning that the kingdom of heaven has opened access to everyone, even those who have a poor spirit, because through me, by faith, by belief, you will get a reborn spirit. You will become rich in spirit because remember he said, when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. He wasn't just saying that you're going to access the kingdom of God because you're poor. No, he was saying, don't worry if you're poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because come to me through me by faith, by belief, you will become rich in spirit. And once your spirit has been updated, think like a software program. Once you get the latest Jesus upgrade, the incorruptible born again spirit, you can now freely access the kingdom of heaven, which is the realm of all possibilities. And I, in fact, the apostle Paul states it beautifully in this letter to the, Col to the Colossians. This is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 to 27. I just love this. Listen to this. Paul says, he's writing a letter to the, to the people in Colossae. Says, where says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Which one is that? Even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Hmm, what's this mystery? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if you've never read the Bible, if you, you this might, you might be like, oh my goodness. What he's saying, again, to, to apply this to, to what we're discussing is, Paul was saying, listen, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He's saying there's a mystery that has been hidden from man, mankind, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, basically saints, the people who are saying, oh, I'm a Christ. I am like, I am part of this gospel that Christ is talking about. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. Basically, I'm a Canadian. I'm a Ugandan. I'm an American. I'm a Mexican. I'm a Christian. That's how you should read it. But Paul is saying there's a mystery that has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is being made manifest to his saints. The, the, the mystery, what was the mystery? To whom God would make known what are the riches. Oh, riches. To whom God would make known what is the endless realm of possibilities of the glory of this mystery. That's the mystery. The, 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 this, this realm of endless possibilities among the Gentiles. The word Gentiles, when it was used in, was meant to people who were not of, people who were not Jews. Gentiles also meant people who didn't believe in God. It says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul was saying, there's this mystery of endless possibilities that if, if you have Christ in you, if you get the new lettuce upgrade called Jesus, and you get a new born-again spirit, the hope of glory can start to manifest. If you're poor in spirit, you become rich in spirit, and then you access this realm of endless possibilities. It says, it says the, the mystery of which was hidden for ages and generations. It's very interesting. It says the mystery was also hidden from angels and men, but now is revealed to his holy people. Wow. So let's bring it down. To, to what we're talking about today. Jesus was saying and teaching that if you can't afford the high-end medical care to get your disease cured, 
come into the kingdom of heaven, embrace the principles of divine healing from my kingdom and you will have a way out of your health situation. Even if you can't afford to pay for an expensive surgery. So when, when, when he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. He's saying that, hey, if you can't afford the high-end medical care to get your diseases cured, come into the kingdom of heaven. Embrace the principles of divine healing. Don't worry about these people who say that science and God don't mix. Doctors and God don't mix. They're asinine. They're crazy. Science, science and physics are part of the mind of God. We've already established that. Come into the kingdom of heaven. Embrace the, just come and embrace, embrace the principles of divine healing from my kingdom and you will have a way out of your health situation. That's always been the angle that the Bible uses all the time, most times, especially the New Covenant, which is commonly called the New Testament. The teachings of Jesus are all about this angle of elevating your thinking and giving you access to supernatural, to the realm of endless possibilities. So when Jesus came, he came to make us aware of these possibilities. That was the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. That you mean I, I don't have to go to a doctor to get healed? What? That That's basically what he was saying. It's like, that's got to be a lie. So, but there is too much that we don't know because we are coming. There's always people going to ask questions about all of this and this and that. But the one problem we have is that, as I said at the beginning, is that as human beings, the three questions that haunt us are, why am I here? Where do we come from? What happens after I die? Those three questions haunt us. So there's too much that we don't know because in life, it, it, we, we, we arrive on the scene when like, we're in the middle of the movie. So many things have happened before we, we arrive on stage, before our opening scene. We're seeing characters that we don't even know about. I say, why are you here? So there's so much curiosity and so many unanswered questions. There's so much we don't know because we're coming from the origin of infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It's impossible for us to be able to answer all these questions. I think this is always a barricade. It's a barrier between people and believing the principles that Jesus talks about. It's, we, we, there's so much we do not know because we are coming from the origin. Remember, we were God created man. He said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. So we, we are coming from the origin of infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's where we're coming from. But then again, Jesus' Jesus's ministry was only three and a half years. And if in three and a half years he said so many things that if they're all recorded, the world couldn't contain the books of them. That's another problem right there. That's why I say Jesus and God the Father, God the Father and Jesus basically say, teach them the basics of how to enter into this realm of endless possibilities. And the basic is this, believe and you shall be saved. Saved has different meanings there as well. Saved can mean eternal redemption, but it's also talking blessed are the point in spirit for there is a kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. It's saying believe that this realm of endless possibilities exists and partake of it. Be saved out of your situation. Partake in this realm by faith and belief. So basically, God the Father and Jesus were saying, saying, hey, teach them the basics of how they can come in. They were saying, believe first, ask questions later. Believe first and then ask questions later. Believe first, get in. And then once you're on the other, on the inside, you can ask all the questions you want to ask and we will answer them. I am finding as a as a as a Christian and, and believer in 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 God that uh, a lot of questions 
are being answered now that I'm on the inside than before I, I got when I was on the outside. It is weird how this works. It's almost like all the wisdom knowledge is kind of hidden on the inside. And all you have they're saying, hey, believe first, ask questions later. But once you get in and then once you are on the inside, you can ask all the questions you want. And we will answer them. So it's not that God doesn't want to answer our questions or is intimidated or that he can't. No. Remember, he has infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I like to think of it like this. Think of like, you know, if you see someone in the middle of the road about to get run over, like you don't go, if you're trying to save them, you don't go and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. And I just want to tell you that a car is going to run you over. No, you scream. You say, move, move, get out of the way. That's what you say. You don't go, hey, my name is Calvin. And uh, where are you from? Yes, my name is Calvin and I'm from here. And, and this is what I do. And I just want to tell you, oh, by the way, I just want to tell you that you're about to get run over by a car. No, scream, ask questions later. And then once you tell the other person to move, a guy is going to run them over and start to say, okay, but before I do that, what's your name? Where are you from? How did you know that a car was going to run me over? No, move. Ask questions later. That's how this thing works. So a lot of people want to get all their questions answered first before they can enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, God, Jesus is saying, believe first, ask questions later. The emphasis of the Bible is to get you to understand that there is a way out of physical oppression. There is a way out of classical limitations and natural addictions. To understand that, hey, it's okay to have... Now, now he's, he, he, he's, he's another principle. This is how, again, the principles you can apply, the Beatitudes, the someone on the Mount to just our everyday life. This is another realm of, of endless possibilities. For you to believe that you do not need money to be happy is to tap into a realm of endless possibilities of, of, that you can obtain satisfaction without being a billionaire, without being a millionaire. It is bondage. It was a bondage for people to be like, oh, I got to amass this amount of wealth to be happy. I got to be this to be happy. No, but the Bible will come in and tell you that, hey, it's okay to have money, but don't let money have you. Because in the world in which you live, adopting that mindset can be futile. Because the realm of limited possibilities in which you live comes to an end at some point. And you don't want to spend eight years chasing after money only to get it and then learn that money was not the thing that you needed to have to be happy for the last 80 years. It'll be a big disappointment. It will be soul crushing. To have focus chasing one thing only to realize after you get the thing that that thing doesn't even make you happy. That's the angle of the Bible takes. It, it, it's always teaching us to elevate our mindset and thinking to a realm of higher possibilities. That, that money, which is a creation within the realm of limited possibilities, cannot solve all your problems. That's the understanding. Now, also I should mention this, that money is not evil. Money in the right hands is very useful. But the Bible will teach you that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. No, it says the love of money. That means if money becomes your focus, becomes a reason of your existence and living, it becomes the root of all evil. It's going to affect your character. It's going to affect your movement. It's going to just... Everything you do will be skewed because you think that money is the answer of all things. No, money is not evil. Money in the right hands is very useful. 
You see, another realm of endless possibilities is saying, is the, is, is the Bible saying, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Again, that goes back to someone who lives up to 80 years old. They've been wanting to get all this money and finally they're 80, they're beat down or maybe they're not, but they finally get it, but they've lost their soul along the way. And we see this happening every time. We see this happening time and time and time again. A famous someone who has gained the world, the whole world, and then we hear that they committed suicide. It, it might seem like, you know, like before the Beatitudes were introduced and Jesus was teaching us a way out of those physical limitations. Right now, it looks like it's, it's reasoning, but it says, Paul says that the mystery which has been hid from the ages, if I didn't know that there was a way out of there was a way out that I didn't need physical material. I didn't need all these things to be happy. That I didn't need to debt. Um, a, a that my wife didn't need to have to be the swimsuit swimsuit model of the year. That I didn't need to be perfectly beautiful. I didn't need to be these things to enjoy life. That there was a way out of that limited thinking and construct by our world that we live in framed by social media images and words that there was a way no out it would have been prison but a lot of people are able to break out of that prison because of these other principles that blessed the point spirit for they shall be comforted theirs is the kingdom of heaven so the bible is a higher level of learning it tries to bring you up to this higher realm. That's the approach. Anyways, all this to say that all the things that Jesus say that seemed and still sound lunatic, ludicrous to most people today and sound as fairy tales and rah-rah, scientists and physicists are now starting to be confounded because this new domain called quantum physics is confounding the very principles of classical physics that they have always believed in and that we operate on. At the quantum level, things appear and disappear based on the intent of the observer. It's called the observer effect. Quantum physics is a realm of endless possibilities and we know that Jesus once said, who said this? Jesus. To man, it's impossible, but not to God. For with God, all things are possible. So with whom does the realm of endless possibilities exist? It's with God. That's what I've been saying. The born-again spirit access the realm of endless possibilities, which is, with the, which is within God. You know, Jesus also said, all things are possible to he that believes. In simple words, I'd put it this way. Quantum physics is a realm of physics that you can only enter by faith or belief. Your belief, your positive intent is what brings that possibility front and center from a realm of endless possibilities that might not exist currently. You might not see them, but somehow this thing that you, you, your intent on bringing to the surface exists within a realm of endless possibilities. And your belief, your positive intent is what brings that possibility front and center. So when Jesus walked on this earth, he operated most of the times by the laws. He operated in quantum physics, which from a biblical point of view or standpoint, we call faith. Like Peter walking on water, Jesus was walking on water and Peter said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. So Peter started walking on water. That was an experience and showcase of quantum physics. Walking on water, drowning when you step on a pool of water or when you step into a swimming pool is classical physics. Walking on water is quantum physics.
So classical physics, like laws of gravity, existed, but by the Spirit of God, by the absolute revelation and knowledge that it was possible to walk on water, that this possibility existed in the sea of endless possibilities brought this one possibility of walking on water front and center and put it into application. Jesus operated in the realm of more possibilities than classical physics. You have to understand that if God's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are infinite, then definitely there is a realm of physics which is part of God's mind, which scientists are discovering and are now fascinated by that contains more possibilities than the classical realm of physics. That's interesting because, you know, when Peter walked on the water, he did walk on the water, mm -hmm. but uh, he began to observe the wind and the waves and fearing he began to sink. In other yes. words, uh, the faith was there, the ability was there to, to do that, but something that had nothing to do with what he was doing caused him to sink. I mean, you know, he should have been thinking about it this way. I guess the only time you can walk on water is when a storm's on, because <laughs> Jesus was walking on the waves and there was a storm. But, uh, you, you know, nobody can walk on a swimming pool even if there is a storm on. That's so right. there was a different law that he, he caught a hold of for an instant, but fear caused it to diminish to the point that he sank. That's right. The interesting thing about quantum physics, and those of you who are really freaking out saying, I can't possibly understand this, you can. If you can understand some of the Bible teaching, you can understand what I'm about to say. And that is the thing that uh, physicists have determined is when they began to look at, if you've seen a, a drawing of an atom with all the little um, orbits of the electrons around the nucleus, and there's a little dot there that looks like a particle, these physicists began to study the particles, but then they determined that, well, you know, they don't really act like particles sometimes. So they came up with what they call wave-particle duality. And what that means is that, and listen very carefully, that actually the particle there exists in a wave state, which means that that electron, that little particle, is not right there until they look at it. That means it exists everywhere at once in a realm of all possibilities. Does that sound familiar? Sounds all familiar. things are possible, only believe. So that electron in its wave state is everywhere at once like a cloud. But once the observer or the physicist looks at that to measure it, it either collapses and becomes a particle or it only has one location. So now what that means to me about faith is that we have an effect on everything around us, including the waves, including the water, including everything we believe, everything we observe and look at, we affect by our belief or our faith. And so Peter, when he believed he could walk on the water, he looked at that, he saw the possibility, he entered into it. But then fear, which is a lower force, brought him back into the classical laws of physics and he began to sink. We're going to take a break and we will call it a wrap for today and we will catch you on the next episode. I'm excited for the next episode. We're going to go back into diving into the power of words and see how words affect physical matter. Thank you for tuning in. This was Quantum Faith meets Quantum Physics. Sailor. This was episode five of this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the next episode, we'll continue building the relationship between quantum faith and quantum physics. We'll dive into the power of words and how words actually affect physical matter around us. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Jesus went around talking to trees. 
he talked to the wind, he talked to the waves. Now what he said to the wind and the waves was peace, be still. Jesus didn't overcome the forces of nature with sheer force, but by communication and relationship too. Peace, be still. What do you need when there's a storm in your life? Peace. What do you need when the winds and the waves are about to overturn your boat in a lake? Peace, be still. He called the end result. He spoke to the tree that didn't produce fruit. He said, no man will eat fruit of you ever. And the next day they came by and it was dried up from the roots. And the disciples were shocked. Jesus, look, the fig tree that you spoke to, it's dead, dried up from the roots. The power in your faith can change the matter in your life. It's really, really important that we act on what we know and that we use it. When you hear this message, you find out that your words are powerful. It is very important that you stop saying the negative things. And then you start speaking in the right direction and start saying the things that are in line with what God's promises are and what God says. Said he could walk on water and heal anyone who suffered. He was a prophet without honor in his own time. He broke bread and fed the Keep